Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Okay, now it's okay to say amen. <laughs> Thank you so much, choir. And for all those who share our music this morning, it's so wonderful during, especially our special times of the year, it's Christmas and Easter, our special times for the church family. And we're so glad you've come to worship and share in this service today. I know we have many who are visiting as well with us today. And we especially welcome you and want you to feel right at home as we share in this service. I wonder how many of you have ever received a gift for Easter. Did you ever get a gift for Easter, Garrett? You did? What did you get? Easter egg? You can't remember. I'm sure you got something good. Yeah, think hard. <laughs> um, you know, we don't tend to give a lot of gifts for Easter like we do at Christmas time, do we? I'm buttoning my jacket because, uh, yeah, because it, we had breakfast this morning and just before I came in, uh, my nephew's wife said, uh, Pastor Jim, when you were speaking, I noticed I think you spilled something on your tie. And, <laughs> and my wife wasn't there because she was in the nursery, so thanks, Tricia. And, uh, and it was syrup, and I've washed it off. I think it's actually probably doing okay, but just in case I don't want to distract anybody, we'll button that up. I remember getting a gift for Easter one year. I was a young child, and I woke up on Easter morning, and there was a, a stuffed uh, lamb uh, called Lamb Chop. I don't know that, uh, that was the name on it. Remember that show, Lamb Chop? Sherry Lewis. Sherry Lewis, yeah. It was a stuffed animal and was sitting by my pillow when I woke up in the morning. And uh, it wasn't the Easter Bunny that left it there. It was my sister, Fran. And my sister was probably in high school at the time. I, I was thinking about that. I think it was the year after my dad had died. So she was trying to you know, help out as, as a big sister and, and do something special. And I, I just always remember that. I don't remember a lot of other things. You know, I don't generally get gifts at Easter, but I just always remember that she gave me that gift of that stuffed animal that I kept uh, for quite a while, actually, um, uh, for that Easter. I remember one year when uh, we lived in Minneapolis, and we had three daughters before just before Jimmy was born here, but uh, Sarah and Linnea were old enough uh, to go to the store with me. Emily was just a baby, and Teresa had to stay home with her. And so I went sent out to do Easter shopping for shoes for Easter. (laughs) I don't have that bad a taste, do I? (laughs) Well, I went out, and I was so proud of myself because I came home with uh, two pair a bright red sparkly Easter shoes for the girls that Teresa looked at and kind of looked at like, what? (laughs) They didn't go so well with the yellow dresses, I guess, or something. (laughs) Easter gifts. This morning, it just so happens that uh, uh, we have been um, going through the book of Ephesians together on Sunday morning. And it just so happens the passage that we are at this morning, Pastor Kevin last week preached in the first part of Ephesians chapter 4. And it just so happens that our passage this morning in Ephesians chapter 4 is going to have to do with gifts and the resurrection. And so I'd like to ask you to turn there for our Easter passage this morning. We have been reading the Easter story in Sunday, during our Sunday school hour and our breakfast time. 
Uh, we have read it already uh, this morning together. Our choir has sung about it. And I'm going to ask if you turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4 today, and for a few moments as we meditate from the Scripture. But let's pray together as we do so. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for... Uh, I just want to thank you for, again for each person that's come today. It's a beautiful day. And uh, what a wonderful day to be together as family and as friends, as a church family, to just uh, to meditate on the, on the wonderful miracle of the resurrection, to once again thank you for how much you love us, how you've chosen to love us, how good you've been to us, Lord. Uh, what a blessed people we certainly are. And we just want to pause and tell you we love you and we thank you today. As we open your word, we thank you for the freedom we have to come uh, without hindrance, without opposition, we know we have brothers and sisters around the world today uh, who do not have that freedom. Uh, they may meet at the uh, danger of their lives. And we thank you today. We can come, open your word, share it, proclaim it, celebrate in it. And so we ask now that you will help us as we open your word and that you will guide our thoughts. Might your thoughts, might your words be heard today in Christ's name. Amen. On Ephesians chapter 4, uh, Verse 7 introduces the idea of gifts, which we are going to talk about uh, next week, uh, especially, but we're just going to look at a few verses here. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, the word for grace in the Bible is a, is a multifaceted word. You, you know, charis, charismata, charis. Uh, Eucharist, you've probably heard that word, because when the, when the Lord broke bread, as we did on a Good Friday, it says he gave thanks. It's the word for thanks, and that's why it's called the Eucharist in some traditions. Uh, charis is the word for gift, charismata, charismatic. We hear so much today about gifts. This is the word. It's, the, it's a multifaceted word. And Paul says to each one of us, this charis, this grace, has been given as Christ apportioned it. And then he's going to talk about the gifts that were given, some specific gifts for the church, the body of Christ, which we'll, we'll consider next week. But he then quotes an Old Testament scripture, verse 8. This is why it says, and it, the quote, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. He led captives in his train, and he gave gifts to men. This is a quote from the 68th. Psalm. Now, this would be a whole, whole study in itself this morning. But if you were to read the 68th Psalm, uh, you would notice a couple of things, a couple of questions that would come to your mind that um, we, could, we would want to discuss. One is, uh, it says here, in, when, when Paul quotes it, that he, he led captives captive and he gave gifts to men. And in the Old Testament, in the Psalm, it says, you, speaking of, God, you gave gifts to men and you did this. So Paul changes it to he. And I think I think it's pretty, pretty clear cut. The reason he does that is because he's applying this to Christ. And then the second thing in the psalm, it says that, that he received gifts. And here when Paul quotes it, he changes it and says he gave gifts. And there's all sorts of different interpretations and writing. And that, that would be for another day. But I'll just say just briefly I think we can understand that when you think in the Old Testament world of a, of a victorious army, a victorious king or general, a part of what they receive is what we call the spoils of war. And of course, as they return with those spoils of war, 
then they would often give them back to the people. They would share them with their people. They would share them with the army. You see this in the Old Testament. So Paul takes this Old Testament scripture and applying it to Christ, he says, this is why it says, when he ascended, now today is the day we speak of the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, that he rose from the dead. And we're going to speak about the ascension of Jesus Christ as well. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and he gave gifts to men. So we're going to talk about What does this mean? What does this have to do with the Lord Jesus Christ? What does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with me on Easter Sunday? But then you'll notice, I'm reading from the NIV translation this morning, verse 9, in parentheses, it says, What does, quote, he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he. And then he goes on to talk about the gifts that we're going to explore next week. The gifts of apostles, the gifts of prophets, pastor, teacher, and evangelists, and what they were for. But I want us to just stop this morning before we leave and just pause to consider this, this thought here on this resurrection day that... Paul says, but when we talk about he he ascended and he led captivity captive, but he who ascended, he first descended to the lower parts, that is, to to the earth. And then it talks about he ascended higher than all the heavens. And think about that, higher than all the heavens in order to fill the entire universe. Apostle Paul says Jesus Christ descended. To earth. Now again, for another day, there's, there's different thoughts on this passage when you connect it with Peter's epistle where he talks about Christ going to the, the lower regions and preaching to those in prison. Uh, if you know the Apostles' Creed, and talks about descended into Hades or descended into hell. I personally think in this particular passage in Ephesians, I think what, I think what Paul is saying, I think the NIV myself, I think really uh, nails it, hits it, translation-wise, exactly what Paul is trying to say. I think Paul's point here is, he descended to the lower earthly regions. Or we could say, this one who ascended is the same one who descended to to the lower regions, that is, to the earth. I think Paul's emphasis here is he's put in one package the whole story of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was just a few months ago we gathered and celebrated Christmas, the mystery of the Incarnation, that wonderful mystery that we will never fathom. And each year, especially at Christmas, we, we pause to remember and we pause to contemplate that God himself became a baby. Go over to our nursery today after, after the service and, and, and see the little ones and, and, and imagine that, that God was a baby, fully God, yet fully human. God descended, Jesus Christ descended to the earthly regions, to earth, his incarnation. And he spent those 33 years on earth, fully God and yet fully human, but without sin. In all ways, just like you and just like me, but without sin. He was fully human. And he lived, he grew up, he was obedient 
It even says he increased in wisdom and stature and knowledge. How is that possible? He was God. But that's what the Bible says. And he grew. And and, and, and then, of the, the course, the, the significant part of the gospel stories, that if you look at the gospels and how much they, 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 they give to his Passion Week, his coming into Jerusalem, his offering of himself on the cross of Calvary as we celebrated on Good Friday, his being placed in the tomb, his rising from the dead, and his demonstrating the proof of the resurrection and showing himself afterward to his disciples. And the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, over 500 people at one time saw him in his resurrected form. 500 people saw him in his resurrected body. Paul says, ask them. You can ask them. They saw him. This was the first generation and they were still alive at this time. But Jesus Christ, when he died, we could say in, in a real sense, he descended into the earth. Now, whether you believe he went to Hades, either way, he went into the grave. He went to the, in the Old Testament, Sheol is the, is the place of the dead. That's that mysterious place. The place of the dead is also used for the grave. Jesus was placed into the depths of the earth when he was placed into that grave. He fully experienced. He who ascended first descended, shared our humanity to the point of dying on the cross of Calvary. He died. He didn't just appear to die. He didn't just look as if he died. Another mystery. And he was placed into the depths of the earth, the place of the dead. This very same one who descended, who ascended, is the one who first had to descend to share in our humanity to provide our salvation. But when Paul talks here about he ascended, and when he ascended, he led captivity captive. And then he gave gifts to men, which we'll talk about next week. Now I'd like us to consider this morning the, the entire Easter story. I'd like to kind of telescope it, if you will. We, we have considered the events of Easter morning, the day he rose from the dead. And once again, we worship every Sunday, the first day of the week, because that was the resurrection day. That is our Sabbath, the first day of the week. This is a special resurrection day, of course, being Easter. But I'd like to telescope the events this morning for you, and I want to consider sort of the final part of that Easter message. I'd like you to go back to Acts chapter 1. You go back to Acts chapter 1 in your Bible, and what we have is Luke, Dr. Luke. Doc, Luke was a physician, so often he's referred to as Dr. Luke. And Dr. Luke writes his second treatise. His first treatise, of course, was the Gospel of Luke. And in his second treatise, his second book, he's going to finish the story um, of, of how the gospel went to the Gentile world. And we end in Romans cha- or in Acts chapter 28 in the, in the city of Rome. But in this, in this, he begins his book, in my former book, Theophilus, who he's writing to, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men. He gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom 
of God. And so the Easter story I want to include this morning as we telescope it, includes the fact Jesus rose from the dead. And you know, that was a mystery. We talked about it in our, in our round the table this morning when we answered the questions. Um, when did he rise from the dead? When they came to the tomb and the stone was rolled away, it was not to let him out. It was to let us in to see, as we talked about this morning. Somehow, mysteriously to, to us, we were not allowed. Nobody was allowed to see it. Jesus rose from the dead passed through that tomb and out of that tomb, and the stone was rolled away so they could come in and they could see. He rose from the dead. But after he did so, he was on earth for 40 days. For 40 days, he was on earth in his resurrected body. It was him, but it was different. We know it was different because as the disciples were gathered around the room, he passed right through the door. He passed right through the door. But then he sat down and he ate. He was resurrected. You know, sometimes, oftentimes we wonder, you know, what is it going to be like for us? What is it going to be like for eternity? What's it going to be like to live forever resurrected? Well, that's a mystery too. I can't tell you because nobody has experienced it and come back. The resurrection itself that is going to take place, the rapture is yet to take place. But we do know this. And I like what the Apostle John says. Little children, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this. When he appears, when we see him, we will be like him. The Apostle Paul calls him the first fruits of the resurrection. Pretty soon, uh, some of you will get the first fruits of your produce. An early spring crop of some type, maybe. And in the, in the agricultural world of the Old Testament, that first fruit was an indicator fruit of what was to come and a guarantee of what was to come. Jesus Christ, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And so we do have this confidence. Jesus was on earth in his resurrected body. It was him, but it was different. And on the resurrection, what you and I will experience, I am going to be me and you are going to be you, but it's going to be different. We do not believe. We do not believe in, in some sort of mystical, we just sort of evaporate into the great nothingness that's something or something. We have a very definite and firm view as Christians in the resurrection. Amen? Amen. We have a definite and confident view that we will be like him. He was here for 40 days, and he taught them. He was with them. He ate with them. He spent time with them. He instructed them. And they asked him, Lord, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom? And he says, not for you to know. But I want you to go to Jerusalem. As he already told them, and wait. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will go out and minister. But I want you to notice verse 6. Well, that's when we just read that. Verse 7. Then he says to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And in verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is what we refer to as the ascension, not the resurrection, but the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to include this this morning in our thoughts about the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He rose from the dead. 
They saw him. They heard him. They spent time with him. He was alive. Paul says 500 people have seen him at one time. But after that 40 days, he ascended into heaven. Unlike the resurrection where nobody could see it. There were no witnesses of the resurrection. No eyewitnesses. What they saw was the results, the empty tomb, and then they saw him in his resurrected form, his resurrected body. But when it came to the ascension, the disciples were standing there. Jesus was talking to them, and he was gone. He ascended right before their eyes, and they actually saw it happen. And I want you to think about this for a minute. What does it say here? As he ascended... While they were talking to him, it says he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They are standing there talking and they are watching and Jesus all of a sudden goes up. He is taken from them. He ascends to heaven and he is enveloped in a cloud and he is gone. And they witnessed the ascension, the bodily ascension. You notice it doesn't say that all of a sudden his body was gone and it was just his spirit. But they watched his resurrected body. They watched his resurrected body ascend to the clouds to a cloud and be hidden in a cloud. And he was gone. And this completes the Easter story. And of course, they stood there staring. I mean, what else could they do? They're they're looking, verse 10, it says, They were looking intently up in the sky as he was going. And he was gone. And suddenly two men dressed in white. Here are the angels once again. The angels that were at his, re- at his resurrection on Easter morning. They're at the tomb. That, that, that talked to the, the, those who came and said, He's not here. Why seek you the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And once again we have the angels. And they are there. And, and it says there, Two men dressed in white. They stood beside him and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The same way he will come back in his bodily resurrected form, just as he was taken and hidden in this cloud. There is a day coming, brothers, disciples, apostles, that he is going to return the same way. So go back and start telling the story. Go back to Jerusalem. And they went back to Jerusalem in verse 12 and they began to celebrate and they began, these, these same men, when the night that he was taken, were so afraid that they would not even associate with Jesus. Peter, who was so afraid that he cursed and he swore up and down three times, I've never met the man. All of a sudden now, these are the bravest men in the world. They go back to Jerusalem and they aren't afraid of the Romans. They're not afraid of the Jewish authorities. They're not afraid of anybody. Why? As a song that we used to sing uh, that was so popular, I've just seen Jesus. And I'll never be the same. They will never be the same. They had seen him. They had spent time with him. There was nothing to be afraid of. And they were willing to lay down their lives for him as we believe they all eventually did. Jesus was taken in a cloud. Now, for any Jew who read this, who heard this story, they would understand right away the significance of the cloud, the cloud. He was put in a cloud. It didn't just say he, he disappeared in the atmosphere 
you know, in the cloud cover. He was covered in a cloud. Because in the Bible, in the Old Testament, this cloud is essential to their story of salvation. Because in the story of the Exodus, in the story of the wandering, in their story of their journey to the promised land, it was the Shekinah glory, the, the glory of God, the cloud that led them at night and led them at day. The cloud that stood between them and the Egyptians when they crossed the Red Sea. They understood, and the Bible makes it clear, this was the presence of God. It wasn't just a cloud. It was the presence of God. And I believe when Jesus ascended into that cloud, that this was significant, this represented, and this was the very presence of God, that Jesus went into that cloud and was taken in bodily resurrected form to heaven. It's interesting that in his commentary on, on this passage, Kenneth Wiest, who many of us have read for years in his Bible words from the book of Ephesians, he says this, The Shekinah glory cloud was God's official chariot of protection through the principalities and powers in the lower atmosphere, that is the demons. Remember, Satan is called the prince, the power of the air. He has authority. When he tempted Jesus Christ, he said, bow down to me and I will give you all these kingdoms if you will worship me. And Jesus didn't say, no, you can't do that. But he said, you shall worship God alone. And we says that this cloud represented the, the protection of God as he passed through the atmosphere, through this era, this area, this domain that Satan has. In his ascension from the Easter morning tomb, there's no record of such a cloud. But he fulfilled the type of the priest on the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, the priest would offer the sacrifice at the, at the table, at the, at, the, at the altar of sacrifice. He would take it and he would pass to the outer courts of the Holy of Holies. And the curtain would shut behind him and only he himself was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies and present the blood of sacrifice. And Jesus Christ, we said, was on his way from the cross through the heaven of the clouds and of the stars into heaven itself to present himself in the Holy of Holies as high priest, having shed his blood on the cross, completing the atonement by his presence in the heavenly Holy of Holies. You can read about this in Hebrews chapter 9. Verses 11 through 15 and 24 through 28, where he talks about that the temple here on earth was a pattern, a representation of what was in heaven. And there, and there is this place evidently in heaven, the, the holiest place where only God can dwell. And he went there and he presented his blood. But it says here, his presence in the heavenly holy of holies in a bloodless human body, proof of the fact he had paid for sin with his own blood. They stood there watching and Jesus was taken up before them and was enveloped in this cloud, maybe the Shekinah glory of God. And it took him through this area, this, this, this domain of where Satan has the prince, the power of the air. Every step of the way. Remember when we talked at, at, at Christmas time, part of that Christmas story is what did Herod do? He tried to kill all the two-year-old babies. Satan was trying to destroy the Lord before he could begin his ministry. Satan tried to, to tempt him in the wilderness to, to deny and, 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 and to forsake God. And it says he was tempted throughout. I wonder in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
if Satan wasn't trying to keep him from going to the cross of Calvary. And then he went into the tomb. And then the tomb, the door was shut and the Romans sealed it. But he rose from the dead. And we suggest as he goes and leaves it, that even Satan is trying to keep him from ascending to the place where he could present himself as the bloodless sacrifice because his blood was shed on the cross of Calvary. They watched him ascend and he was gone. And the Bible tells us he went into that holy place and that's finally where the atonement, it was all part of the whole story. On the cross of Calvary, he offered his life as our sacrifice. We read in Colossians that he destroyed principalities and powers. He rose from the dead, victorious over the sin and over the sting of sin and over the grave, over death. The Bible says people live their whole lives in fear of. and There's no need to fear anymore because he conquered death. And then he rose into the Shekinah glory of God, possibly, went into the Holy of Holies. We know that from Hebrews and from the Bible. And finally sat down the right hand of God. Atonement was finished and our sins were forgiven. Amen? What a Savior. Man of sorrows. What a name. But what a Savior. What a hope that we have, the Easter triumph. And in closing, I'll say this. So when Paul says, he led captivity captive, I want to suggest to you that when he went in that cloud and he ascended to the highest, above the highest heavens, where he fills all in all, Paul says in Ephesians, that when he did that, it was a public demonstration to the spirit world, to the powers and authorities, that they were defeated. The war is over. The battle goes on. But the war is over. It's been done. They are defeated. There's nothing else they can do. There's nothing else Satan can do to hinder, to stop. Continues to fight. You know, I woke up this morning to our radio and it just comes on automatically. And what do we wake up to? First thing we hear this morning, three people killed, one in critical, a two-year-old beaten to death. It's terrible. The darkness of sin. The things that, that we've just become so used to, it's not even news anymore, hardly. The things that you face in your life and in your world that remind us of the darkness of sin, the good news of the resurrection, God has defeated the forces of sin and the forces of evil. And it is just a matter of time before it is finally put to rest and all the battles will be over. And the Apostle Peter says, listen, don't say as some say, this just goes on and on like you've always said. Nothing changes. Peter says, be careful. Remember with God, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. It's been two days, if you want to look at it that way, since this happened. It is coming. And the book of Revelation, the big theme from the book of Revelation is simply this. God wins and Satan loses. He has already lost. And so in Hebrews chapter 4, the hope that I have today and the hope that you have, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, this is part of our Easter story. Since then, therefore, we have a great high priest who has gone, and the author says, through the heavens, 
through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, this is good news, friends, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Listen, Jesus rose from the dead. He did not just leave as a spirit. He rose from the dead as the God-man. And He is going to return as the God-man in bodily resurrected form. Which means that even today as we are here, He is still the God-man, the resurrected God-man. And what the Apostle writing to the Hebrews is saying, he understands completely and fully what it's like to be human. He experienced it without sin. And therefore, we can approach him today. You can approach him today. Whatever is, is on your, your, your heart, your head today, with the things that, 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 that you want to bring before God, the things that are always at the forefront of your thinking, the things, the struggles you have, the challenges, the, the prayers. Listen, come boldly to God. He invites you. Jesus Christ is resurrected. He is resurrected today. He is returning. And He invites us boldly into the throne room of grace to, to come to Him as our Heavenly Father would have us to come. The Holy Spirit the Heavenly Father, the resurrected Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Trinity, that we are invited to come boldly into God's throne of grace today. Listen, friends, we close our service with our songs today. I do want to say, if you're here today, this morning, I've talked about forgiveness for sins. I've talked about salvation. We've talked about the gospel story. It's simply that. The gospel story Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, went to the cross of Calvary. He died on that cross. He was placed in the tomb. He rose victorious over death and the grave. And because He paid for your, your sins with His sacrifice, and because He has defeated death, He offers to you forgiveness for sins and eternal life. And what God asks of you is not to do anything. There's nothing left for you to do. What God has asked of you is to believe it. And by simple faith to receive Jesus Christ's atonement, His sacrifice for your sins. And He will apply it to you. And you will receive forgiveness for sins and the gift of eternal life and the hope of the resurrection to spend all eternity with God, with the saints, serving God in our resurrected bodies, that can be your hope this morning. As we sing our last song, why don't you say yes to God? And why don't you, in simple faith, receive Christ as your Savior? Let's close our service with our worship team is going to come and we're going to sing this wonderful hymn that we love so much. It's so appropriate on Easter Sunday morning and we'll stand... 
After we sing the song, I'm going to have a word of closing prayer. And then our choir is going to sing a benediction for us before we leave today. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I wish I had kept up with the trumpet. <laughs> thank you so much. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. And thank you again for coming. No evening service tonight. Enjoy your time with your family. So I'm going to close in prayer. And if any of you would like to, uh, if you have a question about salvation, if you, if you would like to pray with somebody, uh, Pastor Gary is right here. Pastor Kevin was up here this morning. I'll be in the back. Um, Gary's right here. Kevin's here. We would love to just step aside and pray with you. And uh, this will be a wonderful Easter, uh, Easter present for you today to receive Jesus Christ and forgiveness for sins and receive eternal life. Listen, friends. I just don't want you to leave here today without knowing how much God loves you. God loves you. And He wants you to be with Him. Why not? Receive Christ as your Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for this opportunity to just come and lift our voices, lift our hearts. We thank You for our choir, for those who have shared in song. Thank You for Your Word today. And Lord, again, we just thank You And just are so amazed how much you love us, how much you care for us, how good you have been to us. And I pray as you leave this place, Lord, that each one of us would find courage and strength and comfort to come boldly unto you with our requests, our heart's desires, our prayers this week, because you are our Heavenly Father. If there be a person here today who's going to leave this place and has to say, no, he's, he's not my Heavenly Father, Lord, might you open their heart to the gospel right this moment, and might they say yes to you, and might they receive Christ Jesus as their Savior and just accept his forgiveness and his payment for their sins. In Christ's name, amen.